give you a bit of a background, a bit of a scene. I want to draw up a scene. I want to place you. Last week we spoke about prayer, but we spoke about Jesus, the Son of Man, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? Most of you would probably recall the story where Jesus goes and prays, but He is actually praying because He is anxious about this cross, that He has to go die on a cross. He's anxious about it. The one gospel says He started sweating blood. I don't know if you've been that anxious. Who's been anxious before? Who's been nervous and anxious and worried and stressed out? Okay, so we, we kind of know what that feels. It's like, especially when the intercom comes on. Uh, Andrew, come to the office, please. You know? You know that feeling? Well, I used to get that every day at school. What, what now? In any case, so. But today we're reading in chapter 18. We're now talking about the Son of God. I want you to read with me and see what happens here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron. Now this brook, it's a little river that only runs in the winter, but it is filled with sacrificial blood. All right, there's a lot of stuff happening in this brook. Where there was a garden, where there was a garden. This is John 18, verse 1. Now, where else in the Bible does it talk about a garden? Genesis, right in the beginning. There was a garden, and God placed Adam and Eve in a garden. Garden, God likes gardening. Who likes gardening? Uh, Who's got green fingers? You must come to my house because everything just dies what I plant, you know. (laughs) Um, So, there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place. I want you to understand that a lot of people like nature. You like nature. Out there. So, out there in nature. A lot of people feel closer to God when they're in nature. All right? When they're playing, I believe that nature is God's toys to us. We can go hiking in the mountains, and we can go play in the ocean, and we can go relax at the bush felt and a campfire. And a lot of people like game driving. Don't take me on a game drive. Please don't, because I fall asleep. Around the corner, you will find the lesser spotted Blovelibius. And... And you drive on half an hour later, around the corner, you will spot the lesser spotted Blovelibius. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look on your right, a troop of Blovelibius with some Roybok. You know, you know, after an hour of that, I'm fast asleep. <laughs> Did you see the buffalo? No, I don't have X-ray vision <laughs> because it's hiding. In any case, so God does something. And Jesus is the express image of God in heaven. So if you want to know that who and how God looks and how he acts, you look at Jesus' life. Does it make sense? All right. So Jesus likes nature, but he doesn't worship nature. Big difference. Liking and worshiping. Some people worship nature. I've seen them stand and worship the ocean. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. Okay. So, and he used to go there with his disciples regularly. They knew this was a 
place of solace for him, a place where he relaxed and let his guard down, where he spoke words to them, where something that's tender to his heart. This heartless Judas chooses this place to betray him, the battleground. The garden is the battleground. I want you to see, are you you following me? See, there's a battle happening. The first Adam in his garden lost. He lost his battle. Satan beat him. The first Adam was placed in a garden and he waited for an enemy. The second Adam, Jesus is the second Adam. He says, I will go to the battlefield. I'm going to this garden. I'm crossing into this battle place. I'm excited this morning. Are you excited? You guys need to get this. I am so excited about this. Now listen to what he says. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came with their lanterns and torches and weapons. Wrap your pitchforks and your torches. We are going to kill a monster. Okay, are you seeing that movie? You see, are you seeing, grab your pitchforks. Can you see this middle evil thing happening there? In the middle of the night. Because this is early morning. Listen now. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him. So Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows, what's he, he knows he has to go down a cross. He knows this. He knows they're going to capture him. That he knows they're going to torture him. That's why in the previous chapter, he had this anxiety. And he was praying against it. And he was praying for strength to carry him through this. Because he knew what was coming. One of his best friends, whom he spent three and a half years with, is going to betray him with a kiss. It sounds like something from Shakespeare. With a kiss. Now listen to this. So Jesus, knowing, went forward to Judas and all of these. So let's say there were 20 of them. Let's say where there were 50 of them, of these officers to arrest them. And Jesus went to them and said, Whom are you seeking? That's a question you can ask yourself today. Who are you seeking? Who are you looking for? Why are you coming to church? Whom are you seeking? A lot of people seek a Jesus that will make life comfortable, that will make him rich. That's called idolatry. You need to seek Jesus for whom he is. And he asks them, Whom are you seeking with pitchforks and swords, torches in the middle of the morning, early morning? Who are you looking for? Some bandit, some criminal, some murderer? Who do you wake up and see? What keeps you awake in the morning or late at night? Who are you seeking? Jesus is asking that question to us today. Listen to this. And they answered him, We are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. So what do you think would happen? I mean, they're coming to arrest him. They're looking for him. He says... 
Who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says to them, I am He. I like that. I like that. You see, suddenly, He's talking God language. I am. You see, when Moses said to God, Who must I send send me? He said, I am. Tell them, I am is sending you. You see, I am to the Jew is a description of God. I am. I don't have to explain who I am. I am is sending you. And Jesus has adopted this language because He's Son of God. And He says, I am He. Hello? Can you see what He's doing? He's not a coward. I want you to see heaven's champion standing up. I want you to see like Achilles from the movie Troy. That gets up and says, I'm going to take that giant. And he starts running and he says afterwards, imagine a king that fights his own battle. Well, he has a king that is fighting his own battle. I am. He's stepping up onto this platform. I am he. He doesn't hide away. You see, if people come for you, what do we normally do? Run. No, no. Jesus comes to the fore. He says, I am he. So, the logic thing is, yeah, come here, we want to arrest you, take him away. But watch carefully what happens in the scripture. And Jesus said, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever seen anybody talk about how these soldiers and Judas, when Jesus walked up and says, well, here I am, I am he, that they drew back and fell on the ground. I want to read you something. One of the commentaries. Just pause it there, okay? Just pause there. We're coming back. We're coming back. Let's read you this. Listen to what he, one of the, this is. Jesus often shows his majesty in ways that speak of humility and weakness. Jesus was born a humble baby, yet he was heralded by angels. He was laid in a manger, yet announced by a star. He submitted to baptism, then heard a divine voice of approval. He slept when he was exhausted, but awoke to calm the storm. Jesus wept at the grave then called the dead to life. He submits to arresting troops, then declares his majesty and knocks them over. Jesus died on a cross, but in it he overcame sin and death and Satan. You see, the minute Jesus stands up and he says, I am he, you need to see a warrior stand up. You need to see the champion of heaven standing up. And saying, here I am. What are you going to do when they come for you? What are you going to do? <laughs> Jesus stands up and he says, here I am. And they fall down. Now, it would be wrong to say that, that there was a manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It would be wrong to say that. It would be nice to say that's what happened, but we don't know. All we know here is when they heard that, they drew back and fell on the ground. When they realized that they are not seeking a coward, a criminal, a murderer, a deceitful thief. 
but that they were looking and they found God. You see, how do we react to Jesus? How do we react? Can I, can I just tell you stuff that I hear that people say, well, God will understand. I'm doing this and this and this, but God will understand. Well, the Lord knows my struggle. You see, you are not speaking about, or you are not going to meet a weak king. Jesus is the champion of heaven. The Bible describes him as the one that commands the angels of heaven. That closes doors that no man can open. And opens doors that no man can close. He's the one that calms storms, that raises dead, that forgives sin. See, when we meet this Jesus and our answer is, well, God will understand. You're not meeting the Jesus of the Bible. You are meeting a little Jesus in your head that you have made. This is how God is. He is an almighty, powerful God. We're going to look at His power a little bit in human fashion just now so we can understand how strong He is. Listen to this. So now they fell to the ground. Then he asked them again. Now, I want you to see that Jesus wasn't probably standing there, Who are you seeking? Like a movie from, you know. He was probably speaking in a very controlled, and very gentle voice, but stern and affirming. Hello, who are you looking for? Because he's in control of the situation. I want you to understand this, that it doesn't matter where your life is, what's going on in your life, in your parents' marriage, at school, in your business, in the economy, in the middle of COVID. I want you to understand it. It can be pitch dark and you can be surrounded with pitchforks and swords and torches, people seeking you in your place of solace, place where you feel safe and comfortable. Jesus is in control. Might not feel like it. But Jesus is in control. He is still on the throne. He is still the champion of heaven. He is still the God of the universe. He still tells the ocean how far it can come. He still still tells the sun to come up. He is still in control. Nothing is happening. He still knows the amount of hair on your head. He still catches your tears. He still turns it gray. He knows when it turns gray. A little gray is okay. Okay? Just in case. And he said to them again, (laughs) Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. It's almost as if they are confused. The presence of God confuses the enemy. The presence of God confuses the enemy. So if you're feeling under attack, get into the presence of God. If you're feeling life is running out out of control, get into the presence of God. Your enemies will start falling over. That's what I read, yeah? The presence of God does this. 
Is this is exciting? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Hello? Yeah, because you all said, look. Yo, come on, guys. Are you? This gets me fired up. The presence of God still does this. We can still press into His presence. And He will still do it. Now, He said to them, I have told you that I am He. In case you didn't get it, Jesus is Lord. If you didn't get it, He's still King. Just in case. He said, well, I'm still here and I am still Jesus of Nazareth. And what are you going to do? This is what he's saying to them. Not so arrogantly, because he's humble. But he says, here I am. Listen to what happens. And then Jesus, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me. Now, first of all, Jesus displays his power. The second, he displays his mercy. Look at this. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. What's he saying? You see all my disciples? Let them go. You're seeking me. You're not seeking them. You see, in today's society, when somebody gets caught and has to go down, he takes down everybody with him. Am I right? Yeah? I don't stand, well, I am the guilty party. Jesus says, you are seeking me. Let my disciples, let my children go. He immediately sacrifices himself. Divine personality, the closer we get to Jesus, the more closely we look at Him, the more beautiful He becomes. Somebody that is innocent, that takes your hiding in your place. Let them go. Let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which was spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. And then old Simon Peter. Who doesn't like Simon Peter? I like Simon Peter. He's got such a pure heart. No wisdom, no understanding, no foresight. Sounds like me. All right. I just like this guy. He's got such a heart. He, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew and struck the high priest's servants and cut his right ear off. Simon Peter's in the battle. He says, my champion is not fighting alone. I'm going to fight with him. And he takes a sword in the flesh and he cuts his ear off. Imagine your ear being cut off. Who's had ear pain before? Anybody had ear pain before? That's so. That's nothing being cut off. Next level. Now, the servant name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Now, just to complete the picture, we go to Matthew 26, verse 53. And Jesus says, Don't you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He will, not He might, He could, He will provide me with more than 12 legions of, of angels are you seeing the battlefield are you seeing the champion standing in the middle of this battlefield in this garden where they've come to arrest him they want to take him away they're going to kill him he says here i am 
Take me. Leave my followers alone. Leave my disciples alone. I will go. But let them go. And one guy gets up, chops off an ear, and Jesus stops him. He says, whoa, you're not seeing the picture. In the heavens right above me, there are 12 legions of angels waiting for my Father. If I choose, if I choose, I know His will, He will send that. But His will is that I die for you. They're not taking my life from me. I am giving it to you. God didn't make Jesus to go to the cross. He is not an awful father. People look at this and they say, how can a God of heaven, a loving God, send His Son? No, Jesus chose. He said, I will lay down my life by myself. No one is forcing me. I have got 12 legions. Now, how much is a legion? So just to tell you, a Roman legion had 12 cohorts of 500 people. 500 men. Okay? Okay, 10 cohorts of 500 men. So one cohort was 5,000 men. One legion was one 5,000 men. So it's 10 cohorts with 500 people makes one legion. One legion is 5,000 men. So 12 legions is 60,000. 60,000 angels hovering. Every single one of them ready to defend their champion. Every single one. They, these are the angels that came and ministered to him in the desert. Remember? After he got tempted, they came and ministered to him. they there to guard him. Isn't it beautiful that those same angels, he gives charge over you. You are protected. You can't order them because you're not their boss. Your father in heaven is their boss. Jesus is their commander. But he gives their command. He says, children's angels are before him day and night. So what are they doing? They're standing here. They look at you. Run to God. Everything's okay. And they come back. Everything is okay. What must I do? Tell me. I want to do something. All the time. Your angels are before him day and night and they are eager to serve. Now how strong is an angel? What can an angel do? How strong is an angel? If you go to 2 Kings 19 verse 35, Israel, Israel talks about the children of God are encamped by the Assyrians. The Assyrian army is all around. That's the enemy. Okay, so you can say, I am a child of God and I am surrounded by an enemy. 85,000 of them. Can you see how big this army is? 85,000. That's Loftus three times, in case you don't know. 85,000. And then the Word of God. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. That night, the angel, one, one angel, 
one of the Lord went out and put to death, killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the people woke up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. One angel took out 185,000. So when Jesus is saying, the 60,000 angels, these 12 legions that are waiting, they can destroy 11 billion people on the same math. Same math. Wipe out the whole world like that. So Jesus is not forced to go to a cross. He's not walking to that cross. <laughs> no, he's walking with his army behind him. He says, I'll go. No one's forcing me. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to die on a cross. Why? This is where you've got to get it. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. I want you to do this. Put your hand on your head. Because he loves me. That's why he went to the cross. Because he loves you. Not because he's a scary cat. Not because, oh, some awful father made him do it. No. The day he created man, he said, I'll die for him. I love him. Of my own free will, I will lay it down. My army can march me to the gallows. That's what they did. My angels are there. They walked, they were hovering right around him. Standing by, watching their champion without a fight lay down his life because he loves you. In so, he defeats the plan of the enemy for your life. He destroys sin. He destroys death. He makes a way for man, for you and I, to go to heaven. How will you react when you meet this Jesus? Some react arrogantly. Some say, well, in that day, I'll just speak to you in the way I want to. I've met a guy like that. He said, well, if I meet Jesus, I won't even stand up. Some say, well, I'll live my, way, my life the way I want to. And he must understand, because it's my life. Mercy Me sings a beautiful song. I can only imagine what it'd be like when we meet him face to face. Will I be able to stand at all? Will I be able to stand? So here's the thing. Jesus laid down his life of his own free will. No one forced him. No one threatened him. He did it because he loved you. Today, he asks of you, will you lay down your life 
without being threatened, without emotion, without fear, without being coerced into it. Oh, somebody spoke nicely. I felt so emotional. The music was beautiful. They had a smoke machine and the lights were beautiful. No. He says, will you, out of your own, choose, choose, make a decision to say, I will give my life back to you. That's your decision. Not part of your life. You see, Jesus went all the way to the cross. He didn't go to the cross up to a certain point and say, Oh, Caesar, have mercy. Recant his words. No, he went all the way to the cross. He got beaten. He got kicked at. He got spit at. He got stabbed at. He went through the whole ordeal. He died. Not halfway dead. Had a a near-death experience. They put him in a tomb. He died. He was dead for three days. No, there was no medical mistake. Some people reckon, no, maybe there was a medical mistake. Well, if you're in that condition, beaten to a pulp, lost most of your blood, jabbed in the liver, and the water come out, and you lie in a cave for three days and you still live, that's also a miracle in my eyes. <laughs> you know, if you, if you <laughs> didn't die then, you can MacGyver. <laughs> Jesus died. And he rose again. The question he asks you is, will you accept my price that I paid for you of your own accord? Your own will. No one bending your arm. No one influencing you. Will you give me your whole life? Will you accept the way that I've made? And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you would close your eyes, please. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I don't want you to look around. Why? Because I want you to make that decision. If you're looking around, you might think, well, if my friend does it, or my wife does it, or my husband does it, then somebody has influenced you. I have described to you how Jesus himself chose, in spite of all of this, not as a weakling, but as a commander of the armies of heaven, surrounded by many powerful angels, chose out of his own to lay his life down, to say that I will die for you. He asks the same of you. Will you give your life to me? If you want to do that, you can just pray after me. It will be my greatest honor and privilege to pray with you. Not coercing you. The only one that can convince you now is the Holy Spirit. I will pray and you can, if you want to, you can pray that after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose of my own accord, my own mind, I believe that you died on a cross for me, for my sin. And you rose again. You are alive today. I open the door to my heart. Come into my life every single part of it and come and be 
my champion. From today on, I am known as a child of God. Thank you for saving me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, please come and shake my hand. Come give me a drinky. If you prayed it for, if maybe you've been called and you prayed it again, just come and tell us. Come and tell us. We want you. We want to celebrate with you. Jesus is still on the throne.